Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Hello and welcome to the I Could Never Do That podcast. I'm Carrie Barrett, and these are the stories of people who have gone into the arena and fought hard to achieve the unthinkable in spite of the fact that, yes, sometimes they are scared and do have some insecurities. Are you ready to go in? It's my hope that after hearing some of these interviews with thought leaders and artists, athletes, musicians, and entrepreneurs, that maybe you too will be able to go from, I could never do that, to, you know what? Maybe I can. Back in December, I attended the running event, which is a premier conference and trade show for run specialty retailers. It is a running geek like me. It is our dream as all of the brands that you know and love that are all in the running space get to unveil their new product lines for the following year. And all of the big dogs are there, of course, in shoes and apparel and nutrition and other gear. In fact, just a couple of episodes ago, I was fortunate enough to interview the founder and former CEO of Features Socks, Hugh Gaither, who was so generous with his time. And Features is a brand that most of us recognize in the sock space. And in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be interviewing Shannon O'Grady, who is the COO of Gnarly Nutrition, which is another rather large company in the nutrition space. But some of my favorite vendors are those new folks out there trying to make a splash with something new or a twist on an old familiar concept. And that is where my I could never do that radar just lights up. And that's where my conversation takes me today. If you think that you could never come up with a different concept for running shoes, well then let me introduce you to the minds behind the latest shoe on the walls at local retailers, Vamazi. Vamazi is the first ever pace-tuned shoe designed for energy, or as they say on their website, it is Goldilocks cushioning and an ultra-efficient push-off. Founders Scott Tucker and John Zilly join me today to share their inspiration and research behind this innovative new shoe design. I mean, really, what does it even mean to be pace-tuned, right? Of course, I ask that question. And no, it won't turn you into a four-minute miler just by wearing the shoes. But more than the science and engineering, I loved talking with them about their extensive backgrounds, their passion for running and riding, and their friendship that has lasted for decades. Plus, yeah, how in the world did they come up with this concept for a brand new running shoe during the pandemic when they couldn't even travel to see some of the designs? And what is it like competing with these big dogs that we all know in the shoe space? These are my people, the people who, in spite of all of these challenges and obstacles, they still get up every day and say, we've got something good here. And in fact, we're in tune with what runners want and need. So please welcome John Zilly and Scott Tucker from Vamazi Shoes. Good Wednesday morning, Scott Tucker, John Zilly, Vamazi Shoes. How are you today? Great, thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. We met in December at the running event in Austin, which is every 
athletic outdoor runner type person's uh, Disney World, is it not? <laughs> yes. I mean, there's uh, every running brand is there. It's, a, it, it's amazing. It goes on and on and on. I took a, a time-lapse video uh, walking through and it, it that went on and on and I only did about 20% of it. So yeah, it was, it was super fun uh, to see everything and you know, talk to all the all the runners. Everybody's passionate about running. Love that. Yeah, and then you you see some very creative brands as well who aren't even in the apparel side of things, but you see nutrition. You see some of the oddest uh, inventions, if you will. Like one of my favorite booths was this booth called Booze Dust, and it was essentially electrolyte salts that you put in your beer. Uh, the night before you want to run and it's, you know, a hangover cure or something like that, but it, it flavors your alcohol, but then it also helps to stave off hangovers. So uh, I spent a lot of time at that booth, oddly. That's um, yeah. <laughs> well, we're, <laughs> we're here to talk about really two, two words that were new to me in December and I'm suddenly starting to hear a lot about. And those two words are Vamazi and the phrase pace tuning. So I really want to focus our efforts on that and as well talk about, because this show is called the I Could Never Do That podcast, I want to talk about some some of the I Could Nevers that both of you have experienced when starting this new brand. So the brand is Vamazi. It is a new brand of running shoes. So can you just tell me about what the actual name Vamazi means? For sure. So Vamazi comes from two Greek words. It's a made up word. Um, like brands have to be because you can't get anything trademarked. <laughs> That's not <laughs> a real word. But it, it comes from the Greek words Vima, for step or pace and zoni for zone. And we just combine them together to create the mozzie. And that is also the essence of what the technology is, is that we have uh, engineered running shoes that perform according to the pace zone that you run in. And this is a crowded space from a consumer standpoint. Uh, I, I am absolutely not in the in the running industry other than being a consumer of shoes and apparel. So it feels like a very crowded space. You've got your juggernauts. You've got your Asics, your Brooks, your Sauconies, your Mizunos, your Adidas, uh, New Balance, Nike, of course. And right now, it seems that in the zeitgeist, there is this phrase super shoe that is being thrown around. And there's so much technology around shoes to the point where some of that technology is now being banned <laughs> from competition uh, because it's so good, I guess, question mark on that. Um, wh where where does Vimazi fit into this into this crowded space and you you know you clearly looked at each other and said i think we've got i think we've got something here where did it fit for you well uh let, let me just jump in uh first and i'll let then scott uh you know take the technical side but i go to lots of uh running events and 
I can't tell you how many <clears throat> runners have come up to the booth. They see the shoes on the table and they, with this jaded uh, <laughs> look and, you know, uh, tone in their voice, what's the difference with these shoes? You know, mm. they're skeptical because as you said, there's so many uh, shoes out there. It's a really crowded space. Lots of people are, oh, you know, don't, don't go there because it's, um, you're just going to, it's too crowded. You're going to get crushed by the big guys, et cetera, et cetera. But also, as you point out, there's a, a whole raft of new brands that are, uh, are starting to uh, introduce uh, a shoe or two here and there. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's not, uh, we had, we, we didn't find a, a category that had an open white space area. <laughs> right. Like if any of those even exist, let me know. Right. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll find that. But you, you saw, an, you saw some sort of opening in, in this. Uh, so Scott, where was that opening? Yeah. Well, so, I mean, kind of backing up, I, I call this the uh, entrepreneur's dilemma because, if there are no competition out there, there's also no market. <laughs> it's not a thing. And if there's a market, there is necessarily lots of competition. This happens to be a really big market. So there is lots of competition. And uh, it takes uh, a large amount of overconfidence <laughs> to venture into this because the um uh the obstacles are are large you know um nobody but you and your friends want you to succeed in this you know <laughs> <laughs> um and and many other people are probably going to be fighting against you but um you have to um you know uh have good rationale for why that you know it, you know after uh, some years of, of effort and working on this, that it is going to um, survive. And that's why, you know, this is not a, a new concept by any means, but you want to have something that's differentiated, you know, you're going to somehow be, um, you know, adding value, bringing something new to the table, because otherwise, um, how are you going to overcome all of the other kind of um, economic barriers that are put in front of you. And we, we thought that there was um, a very significant opportunity in running because um, we realized that uh, nobody else had actually thought about the forces in running and how a shoe responds to those forces um, correctly. And so we thought, well, if we, you know, do this correctly, we can have a, a product that's going to perform better. And we believe that once people figure that out and they experience the shoe, then we will, you know, be, be able to be successful. And, and you, and you, the two of you weren't, two uh, fishermen out on your boat, you know, like just going, ah, oh, this sounds fun. Scott, you have a very storied history in the shoe industry. John, you're a marketer by, by, by trade. So can you tell me a little bit about your backgrounds and how that also lended itself to the knowledge 
and the audacity. I, you didn't use that phrase. I'm using that phrase, but the audacity to go, yeah, I think we can do something here. Well, I've been uh, making shoes and and selling them since 1995, and I. Uh, I didn't have any formal training when I began working at uh, a small company in Seattle that became Montreal. And uh, we were making, you know, outdoor footwear. And it was the beginning of this phenomena called trail running. And so we were, you know, right at the beginning of that whole uh, trend. And, and making shoes. And I was uh, fortunate to be in a position where I got to, you know, be creating things and, and going to the manufacturers and working with them and, you know, on the design and, and the uh, development of them. And then experiencing what happens once we got them out onto the market and, you know, um, had that very, you know, visceral experience of when I did X, I got Y, <laughs> you know, in terms of a result and, 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 um, uh, was, um, you know, trial by fire kind of, you know, learning as I, as I went along. And, and so that's, uh, you know, it's kind of the essence of experience. Like I had a lot of that experience over time. So when I got to the point in, uh, 2017, where I was thinking about, running shoes and I was hearing about super shoes and, and that sort of thing, I already knew what it takes to make shoes and to run a shoe business and, um, you know, go to market and, you know, the, the technical side of things, the economic side of things. Um, and so I can kind of see the whole picture and, and see a path through, you know, uh, not an easy path, but I could see that it could happen. And I guess that's what gives, or gave me the confidence that, or maybe the overconfidence that I could, um, you know, start up a new brand, convince people to invest in it and uh, make it happen. And here we are making it happen. And you strong armed your buddy, John, <laughs> in all of this, you guys, <laughs> you guys have known each other, I know for a long time. And John was probably off living a great life and then suddenly now he's probably working like you know like a 20 year old at a tech startup <laughs> right yeah that's uh, uh <laughs> when when you're when you're in a startup people think have certain things that they think about you and um we we don't uh, match up with some of those things but uh right right the, uh, yeah scott and i met uh in high school running track and cross, cross country together and so we've known each other for a long time and uh I like to say that this that Vamazi is my uh, third career, and um, uh, I think all three have elements of. Uh, um, I, I can't believe. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> yeah, there and, you go. <laughs> and I think yeah. it's it's less about you know um, being uh, confident or overconfident, is just being sort of naive about it all uh, for uh, for me. <laughs> but uh, you know, my first. Um, uh, <clears throat> career was writing recreational guidebooks. I wrote a whole bunch of mountain bike guidebooks and a hiking guidebook for uh, the Pacific Northwest and um, uh, Idaho, California, etc. And um, then uh, I got into advertising. I knew nothing about that. Um, that wasn't my, you know, major or anything in college. And uh, 
So I learned that and then started my own uh, after 10 years of working at agencies. I worked, started my own boutique agency and that, you know, didn't know anything about doing that. <laughs> then, <laughs> then I was helping Scott on the side in 2018 and um, he said, oh, Zilly, we should you know do this thing. And uh, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but I said, okay, sure, let's do it. And so it's kind of like jump in and um, uh, try it out. Yeah, I love that approach to life in general. And I, I actually did work at a startup ad agency many years ago as well. And it was like, you would have a client that's like, okay, I need direct mail. Can you do that? Uh, yep. Okay, I need billboards. Can you do that? Sure, we can do that. And then I need, you know, I need a website. How, how's your design skills? You know, this was before WordPress. It's like, we got you. And then all of a sudden we like finish the meeting and we're like, oh shit. Right, right. <laughs> We've got to learn a little bit about a lot of things. And I, I feel like that's the essence of life is learning a little bit about a lot of things. And that's what makes you a well-rounded, a well-rounded human and I think a great marketer. And as the, the chief marketing officer and the creative director of Vamazi, I have to say I went, you know, on your website, which is, you know, it's a, it's a simple website, easily navigable. Is that the right word? Um, but there is a bold claim on, on the front of your website. And that bold claim is um, finally, where I'm looking at my notes here, uh, that says, incredibly, no one's made a shoe like this before. And I was like, okay, like that's, to me, that was like laying the gauntlet down that you literally are the, are the only ones. And, and each of your hero image tiles that scroll on your homepage have a bold claim like that. And um, I've never th thought of running shoes that way. I mean, of course, most people never think of running shoes really in any way, except does it fit and do I like the colors? And, uh, uh, <laughs> right. um, but which I want to get into, but I had never, ever thought of a shoe that would be designed for a specific pace. Whereas I think most of us come from a shoe that is designed perhaps for a specific width size. So where did the idea of pace tuning come in? For me, the idea came because I, uh, I'm a runner and uh, do lots of track workouts and, and, you know, tempo workouts and, and long distance runs and shorter recovery runs. And, and I sort of, always knew but hadn't really thought it through very deeply that there was um you know the shoes felt different depending on how fast i was running and i just kind of naturally just you know like to use my racing flats when i was doing a you know a speed workout and i you know preferred not to do my long training runs in my racing flats because i wanted something that was you know softer and more gave me more shock absorption and so forth and um and so that that's not a new thing like we've been you know using different kinds of shoes for different paces if you will but um they hadn't been kind of 
intentionally designed for any specific pace in mind. We have like racing shoes. Well, how fast do you race? Well, I don't know. It depends on who you are. But, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but when you start thinking about like, well, what is the shoe doing? You know, the shoe is like just there on your feet. It's just reacting to whatever you're doing. And so what makes a difference between racing as far as what your shoe is experiencing or, you know, doing a recovery run, for example, is how fast you're going. Because the forces are much higher when you are running faster. Why? Because you have to push off harder to get up into the air more because you're taking a longer stride in there and you're up in the air more. So you come down harder too. So you have these um, uh, increasing forces as you go faster. And the idea behind Vamazi was that, well, if we engineer the soul to, you know, react in a specific way, according to those differing paces, then we can provide you with uh, better cushioning and with less energy loss when you're when you're pushing off. And that would be something that people want. I mean, we like to have shock absorption and we don't want to have wasted energy either. So we um, we work those into it. And and the problem came down to, well, how do you figure out what those forces are? That's a big problem when you don't know physics like me. <laughs> right. Well, and it that's- turns out nobody had actually gotten it. I mean, you could, you know, I went through all of the research that's out there and all of the thousands of articles that have been written on and so forth. And nobody has like, here's the equation that you need to use. So I had to figure it out. And then, and then, you know, when I did, then I could start to actually make shoes. And then we start, you know, we make the shoes and we test them and, you know, just confirm that, yes, we did the math correctly and it, you know, feels. And there's lots of ways you can test to confirm it. But ultimately, they have to feel good when you're running. Yes. <laughs> like nobody yeah. wants to wear a shoe that isn't. And, um, and once, you know, once we got that and that happened really early on, we were like, okay, this is going to be great because it was a hard problem to solve and we solved it and it was an important problem to solve. And so people are going to like it. Yeah. And, and I would like to put a lot of what you just said sort of in a use case and a, and a very personal use case, because full disclosure, you did give myself and other members of the press that were at the running event, sample shoes to try. And we, we all went on a run, a very short run that morning. And uh, I have worn these many times, mostly on the road. The thing about here in Austin is like our big, as you know, from being here uh, back in December, you, you know, our big trail system around the lake is is a gem and I'm on it all the time. But, oh, I hate it when my shoes get dusty. So, <laughs> uh, so I've been using these mostly for some road miles. Um, the, the, the model that, that I have is it's called the Z 50 and it is pace tuned to run a 715 to an 845 mile, which for me is somewhere in that tempo to, uh, comfortable run. So yeah, the 845 is definitely more of a comfortable run for me, longish run for me. Uh, and then it goes down to what I would consider for myself more of a, of a tempo run. And so in the times that I've worn this with my running group 
here in Austin called the Gilbert's Gazelles. Here's some of the feedback that I've gotten from people. And so the first thing is they see it and they're, it's a very noticeable shoe because it looks very different from other shoes that are out there, both in design and in color scheme. So can you talk to me a little bit about that at first? We wanted something <clears throat> that would stand out visually and not just blend in with everything else because you know that's part of the problem right there's just a million different shoes out there of every color you can imagine and we don't want to get lost so we wanted a bold um look to it and uh that was kind of the challenge put to the designer who does all of the you know makes it look nice <laughs> you know all mm -hmm. of that kind of uh cosmetics the graphics and so forth um, to do that, you know, to come come with something that visually spoke to running and you know and moving, you know, what quickly and fluidly and 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 so forth um, without trying to get too um, specific about it. But you know, um, come up with some scheme that we could carry through a line and apply it in different ways. And then at the same time, build in uh, the best kind of construction and materials and so forth that we can use. And um, so that's why you'll notice like the way the heel is constructed. And this is like a 3D molded heel thing, which is um, a more expensive way to do it, but it gives us a really nice effect. And so, you know, how, working that whole thing into the overall design, you know, is is certainly part of it. And the color scheme too. I mean, you can you can do a lot of things these days. You'll notice those have you know uh, fades, um, you know, in, in the way it's painted and so forth. And that's um, you know that's a, a thing that we didn't used to be able to do. You know. 20 years ago and um, and now we can. And again, I think it adds to some of the, um, you know, visual pop. Mm -hmm. I have a question from the, from a gender perspective, you know, you have a, you have a lot of skews, a lot of models uh, and we'll kind of talk about the different pace tuned models, but I've noticed that the, you know, these are the Z fifties and they are gender neutral, meaning you don't have your your pink and cute purple colors for the women's Z50s and then the black and blue ones for the guys Z50s. It's like the Z50s are gender neutral. Is that across the board for all of your models? And I like that, by the way. Thank you for that. It, yeah, it's across the board. I mean, I think a, a, a couple of things. One is that um, these days, you know, uh, well, you can watch you know, men's soccer, uh, professional soccer, and they're, they've got bright pink shoes on, you know, so I think that color is different than it was um, 15 or 30 years ago, as far it's not as gendered as it used to be. But mostly, uh, most important for us as a tiny startup, uh, trying to work our budget is that adding colorways um, is really expensive. And so we thought, hey, look, we're just going to do one color for men and women for each model. Uh, and that's ac across the line of the six shoes we're launching um, uh, this month and next month. And then uh, as well as the four more shoes we're dropping uh, later this year. So it's just- wow. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, we would like to have uh, some color 
choices, but we have gotten really lots of good feedback about, yeah, they don't need to be men's colors and women's colors. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that that adage is completely outdated, which is why that it is the first thing that people notice when I'm showing up in these shoes, because they've never seen it before. And there's no, um, you know, unlike a lot of your competitors, there's no like logo, let's per se, on the side of the shoe. So there's no noticeable uh, mark on the side where the logo is, is on the, is on the heel, um, which is, you know, a little uh, discreet, if you will. Now you've got your V on the tongue. The thing um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, and you touched on this um, a little bit, Scott, is the heel is a little higher. So you've got like the heel, what is this part called? The heel tongue, I guess. I don't know if that's what that's called, but, uh, and then the actual tongue of the shoe, they are, in my experience, a little longer, different materials than you're used to having in a shoe. Was that an intentional design as well? Well, the design was intended just to be comfortable. <laughs> um, and the, um, the, the back of the collar, um, of the of the heel, the back of the collar, it um, it curves away from the body, so so you don't actually touch it with your skin, you know, unless you're grabbing it with your thumb, and you know, and it kind of works as like kind of uh, as like a pull loop, you know, it sort of makes it easier to slide on. But it also means that you don't have any sharp edge against the back of your Achilles, right? It just is this smooth thing that kind of just disappears, and that. Uh, turns out to be really comfortable, especially because, you know, our ankles move around a lot. Um, likewise, uh, you know, on the tongue area, and it's, uh, it's not really higher or lower than most. It may just have that look in your hand, but um, it's, a, again, it's just designed to um, lay up next to your shin and, and just kind of make a nice smooth transition so that hopefully you don't notice it at all. Right, right. And, and I don't, but I, like, I typically wear lower, profi lower profiled socks and a little thinner socks. And so maybe that's why it felt a little longer to me. It didn't, it didn't rub or anything. It did, like, I didn't get any issues from that uh, at all. It, uh, I just didn't know if that was an intentional thought behind the design. The, the, the other thing, you know, of course, of course, the next thing when I tell people the name of the shoe company and the premise behind the pace tuning of the shoe of course the obvious next question is what uh <laughs> how do you pace a shoe uh according to a specific pace like what what are the differences in the materials that you're using and where are you placing those differences so that for instance a woman like me who's five one and you know very petite woman who runs perhaps the same pace as a gentleman who is six, three and we're wearing the same shoe. So, but, but we've got uh, anatomically we're wildly different. So how is the shoe paste to accommodate all of those body types and running gates? So we, um, you know, what we do is in, in simple terms, we adjust the density of the midsole in the heel and midfoot to respond to the impact forces you're generating at the pace you're running. And then we have a, what we call a fast pod in the forefoot. It's 
the it's a, a slightly denser foam that is tuned to respond to the push-off force you're creating at, at your pace. And so and <clears throat> so that's that's the you know the simple version. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the um you know uh and and pace is the primary driver of forces, but as you're pointing out, weight uh does play a role. And we um here's how we accommodate weight differences. We have, we make weight assumptions for each of our models. And so, and those, there's a relatively good range. A few people, you know, there are 200 pound guys that can run a five minute mile, but there's not very many, right? Right. Outliers. <laughs> Outliers. Um, the other way we can, uh, we adjust is by shoe size, because we know that the, uh, a woman's seven, we can make some assumptions of about weight that's different than a men's 13. And so that's another way to, uh, um, for us to kind of accommodate the, the weight and, and what that, the weight role in the forces that get created. Ultimately, it comes down to like, you know, there's a, a pace zone, right? A, a, a range of paces where we say it's tuned to because there are all of these variables, you know, that are changing, right? That, not changing, but like, you know, you're a different weight than I am, different height, you know, and um, and so... And you, we run it with a different cadence, say, also. And, and like that is part of this. So the, it, you create a, a kind of a zone which we can um, um, address, right? Even though we have one specific density, we're like, well, we're really applying that over this zone. And over that zone, we get better results, you know, than we do outside of the zone. Not that we have a, a shoe that's unrunnable outside of the zone, <laughs> but, but, you know, we can kind of, that's what we call it tuning, right? You get kind of the best tuned shoe within the zone. And I have found that again, the one that I have is, is paced. I mean, there is a zone that's a pretty wide zone. It's, it's a minute and a half at this point. So it's a seven fifteen to an eight forty five pace. And so, yeah, that accommodates, that's accommodates a, a pretty broad range. And so I think that's how you're accounting for all of those differences that you just talked about. What's so funny is that in the athletic competition, you know, the way that we all are so type A and competitive, like suddenly I want, you know, I want the Z40s because that's for a 615 to a 745. And I'm like, oh, I need those now. And this is going back to what you were talking about earlier of like, yeah, when you go to the track, you use this shoe. When you do your long runs, you do this shoe. When you're on the trail, you'd use these shoes. So do you recommend then having those various shoes uh, within your line that do accommodate those specific workouts? Well, for sure. I mean, what, I mean, what we do, what we tell people we're, we're new. And so people need to get to know us and you know, love running in our shoes. And so I say you should get a shoe that you're going to run a lot of miles in and you can come to love. And if you, if it fits your foot and you come to love it, then you can add, and you're the type of runner that trains in different pace zones, yeah, then you can add a couple of two, we call it the quiver of shoes, 
Uh, and all runners have that, you know, quiver of shoes. So, some have uh, one or two, but many have uh, uh, eight to ten. <laughs> uh, yep. Right. And, um, you know, you can add one for your tempo days or your really um, uh, casual recovery days or whatever. And then uh, one other, you know, thing I'd throw in and uh, you, you talked about the type A and competitive and uh, the, and, and I think certainly people are going to be interested because there's um, health and performance uh, benefits um, with uh, regard to our shoes. And so um, those, you know, tryhards are, are going to be interested in that, you know, performance aspect. But the other, th you know, there's lots of people who run at 12 or 14 minutes per mile. They're often self-conscious about their pace. They know that most shoes are made for five, six-minute milers and then sold to everybody else. And so, um, and they don't think of themselves so much as uh, runners, although they should think of themselves as runners. You know, somebody came up to me this past weekend at an event and said, well, these shoes sound too technical for me. I'm just starting out. And I said, look, you know, what we're doing, we're enabling the 12 and 14 minute milers by making a shoe that performs best for them and designing it best for them. And so, you know, we think of it as sort of democratizing performance. I mean, there's no reason that if you it, if you're going out and running at 12 minutes per mile, you're doing something that's different than most people out there do. Right. Which is not run. <laughs> it's right and we right. want to and we want to enable everybody in including the 12 to 14 15 minute milers to get out there and have a shoe that's perfect for them that's kind of the idea so i think that those two groups that kind of type a try hard but also that casual more casual runner that's going to run the same pace day after day after day they're not doing tempo runs and whatnot um they're going to do every run is the same as every 5k they do. And that's totally fine. And we've got a, you know, perfect shoe for them. So that's, yeah. Thank you for that. Actually, John, like that, that just, the light bulbs just blew up in my head when you said that, because of course I'm only looking at it from one perspective. And I, I didn't even think about the perspective of all bodies, all abilities, like taking ownership of the shoe that fits them and creating a loyalty. I do think about that in terms of, a, of apparel, you know, when people that are in larger bodies and I work with a lot of them on some of the other stuff that I do. And when they find an apparel company that will design around everyone's bodies, so to speak, like there is a loyalty that, that is, uh, is unparalleled. And I appreciate that that's part of your ethos, which is to create a shoe that is specific to people who are walkers or who are hikers um, or quote unquote, slower runners, if that, if you will. And, and, uh, and that way they can take proud ownership of knowing that this was designed specifically for them. It wasn't just like, oh yeah, here's, here's the same shoe that everyone's wearing. This one's for you. So thank you for that. Right. And it can take away some of the stigma that people unfortunately feel about whatever their pace is. And um, uh, it, it's unfortunate that people feel that way, but they, sh and they shouldn't, they should, you know, and we want to help, um, 
do our little part uh, to en- enable that. Well, and that's, that's, and I'll keep it with you, John, because to me, that's the story. That's the branding, um, the marketing of a, of a new startup like yours. So you have to tell these stories in order to, to make it sound different than all the other ones. And so, of course, I'm sure you have sponsored athletes who are out there racing and performing, but how much of your story involves, you know, are like, are you... Let me, let me back it up and say, I, on your website, I once again appreciate that you are using and featuring all body types on your website and in your social media. It doesn't go unnoticed, uh, hopefully by even the retailers and, and consumers like me. How has it been when you are launching this and you're trying to develop a brand and a marketing strategy that you that you almost have to segment be based on the shoe is that has that been a huge challenge where it's like okay we're going to focus on the z50s okay and that's this pace and this group or are you launching kind of globally and trying to feature all of your SKUs at this point well uh, we're, we're that was a to, big question it, i'm sorry <laughs> it is and <clears throat> trying to you know uh Organize, uh, develop, and organize, and and maintain a a, a brand presence is uh, challenging. <laughs> yes. But yes. Uh, you know, ultimately, we're we'll do some uh, segmenting um, because w- runners who run in the five to six minute per mile that we they want to be talked to differently than somebody that's running ten or fourteen minutes per mile. And, yes. um, and that would be appropriate for us to do. And we have a perfect story to do that, And uh, right? Um, but we also want to, you know, one of our core beliefs is um, pursuing the truth and pursuing the truth through science. And so that's a big part of our story as well, trying to communicate that, hey, this is backed by science um, and it's not marketing fluff. And um, uh, and so we want to build, you know, kind of a, a global brand around that idea of uh, building building trust because we're pursuing the truth and we're trying to, you know, champion the spirit of runners, uh, of all runners. And so that's kind of what we're working on. And then we'll segment down the road when we when it's um when it's more than just a few of us. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. When it's more than just the two of you guys talking to me right now. Uh, you, you basically launched during the pandemic. You, the, you said 2017 was this, you know, kind of Genesis for you, Scott, and it's now 2023. So you're either invigorated or completely burnt out on this damn idea that you had. But um, what were some of the, I could never moments that you had during this time. And I'm sure there were many. I could never moments. Well, there was um, uh, a feeling of foreboding when uh, pandemic happened and we couldn't fly anywhere and I couldn't get to China to work on development. And uh, that has been my, um, you know, career has been you know, working with the um, manufacturers, you know, there on the floor <laughs> and, 
And so this idea that we were going to nonetheless start a new brand, not just carry on, but like get something going from scratch and not do that very thing that I thought was so essential. Um, that was, um, yeah, that, that, that was <laughs> a lot of stress for a while. Um, but then it was like, well, what are we going to do? I guess we'll like do a Zoom call and start um, shipping more samples via FedEx back and forth, and um, and and relying more on um, our uh, our network that uh, that lives there and and we can communicate with, and uh, and so that's what we ended up doing, um, you know, for sure. And it it slowed things down, like there's no I mean, that was going to be my follow-up question. Was like, did how how many delays did that lead to? Yeah, yeah, I, a couple of years, I would say, is what it wow. ended up doing to it. Because when you're there um, in person, you know, you can ask questions, you get an answer right away. People can, you know, solve problems. You can just work with them in real time. And when you're going back and forth, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, it it. it Something that you might solve in 10 minutes if you're there can take several months, actually, to get resolved. And uh, so you just take all of those problems and you multiply them all by a couple of months. And there we are two years later. (laughs) Yeah. So how does it feel to finally, finally be shipping to retail after all of those delays? Yeah. Well, I mean, it feels fantastic. Woo! Right. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, and not only that, I mean, they, um, you know, the quality that we, you know, managed to get out was so good, you know, that we are just so proud. Um, we're not just like happy that it's happening, but we were just so proud of the product that we've, you know, um, created and and are now delivering. And so that's a great feeling. Now, if you could school us on how this process works for somebody who is not in this industry at all, like my vision, this I'm envisioning you, John, and you, Scott, picking up the phone and calling Fleet Feet in Boise going, hey, do you want my shoes? Uh, here's the, and doing this sales pitch over and over and over again, and getting yeses, getting no's, getting talk to me in six months. Um, do you, it, how much of that are you doing by yourselves versus are there agencies, sales agencies that you contract with that do that for you and for other brands? Well, let me just uh, jump in and talk about the quality that uh, Scott just talked about and that, well, because we've heard from, um, it, it's a, a the short answer is it's huge challenge to break into retail as a new shoe brand because the um, shoe wall is re- relatively small in most uh, stores, etc. But one of the things that makes it especially hard for a new brand is that retailers have this experience that new brands, the for the first two three years, the quality is crap. And then they'll um, improve, improve, improve. They'll get the fit right. The the glue won't be showing, et cetera, et cetera. And then, okay, then maybe we'll uh, try it out and consider bringing it in. And so, you know, with Scott's uh, long time experience and also his, 
you know, the, uh, this perfectionistic quality that he's got with regard to shoes. Um, the, we do have this really excellent product. And so the retailers that are willing to take a look at it are, have been really um, pleasantly surprised at the, at, the, at the quality. And so that's obviously helped me. Mm-hmm. And they look good on the wall. Right. You know, they, it's like they don't they don't look like the the cheap add on, if you will, uh, to the wall. So like I, obviously, yeah, that that's that's and that's a huge comp- compliment to you, Scott. And, you know, a, a, a testament and gratitude towards these retailers who are willing to give shelf space, very precious shelf space to a, a brand new, a brand new shoe. Um, so it, is it the two of you that are calling on these retailers? Well, or? we have, we have a few sales reps, uh, around okay. the country, Pacific Northwest, um, also, uh, mid Atlantic and, um, uh, the Northeast, uh, uh, Southeast, um, uh, front range in Colorado, th- those areas will, will build that network out. Um, so that would be good. We you know, then we talk to retailers at uh, the run the running event and uh, other sort of trade shows, um, and, um, th- and you know that's how it goes. And uh, we and then we just have to be really persistent. Yeah, we are not um, innovating on a new way of selling. We are using what uh, what we know. <laughs> what is available and that means you know like you said essentially you go door to door and you um you know you you call first on your friends and and people who you know or you've done business with before and then you but you're also you know reaching out to others and you are um having to sell in your product i mean you have to talk them into it (laughs) because they have plenty of options and and we are trying to convince people that uh, this is going to be a better option for them. And, you know, that begins for almost everybody. It begins with them testing them out just the way that you tested out mm-hmm. shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, that all sounds great. You know, um, I need to try them myself. And so then, you know, we do that. So we're in that process now. And that, um, you know, that takes time. Uh, And it couldn't begin until we had our production because, right, uh, not that many people are sample size. And so (laughs) you you need to, and you don't, you don't go and get all of your half sizes um, without going into production. Because that's how the industry is set up. You know, you've got minimum production runs of many thousands of pairs. There's another reason why we have one colorway per style, because this is just an economic reality that if we had two colorways, then we would have to produce twice as many to meet the minimum production. So we um, are only now able to start the real selling. We could tell people about it before, but you can't really sell until you can get shoes on their feet. And we are just started that last month and it's going great though. 
let me just jump. Let me just jump in to say one one of the things that has benefited us uh, when we're talking to retailers, or, or some retailers, I should say, is that Scott worked at he he was uh, president at Montreal. He worked at Scott Sports, but he also worked at Pearl Izumi um, uh, and worked on their road and trail shoes. And, I had their trail shoes back in the day. Well, yeah, right, I and you know, a lot of retailers love, love, loved those Pearl Izumi trail shoes and were so sad when they went away. And mm -hmm. we've talked to lots of retailers, and we say, "Oh yeah, well, Scott was the one who uh, was." Um, uh, who made those Pearl Zumi trail shoes. And they said, okay, well, I'll, I, I, I definitely want to bring in Vamazi because um, I know that the quality and the feel of the, the run feel and the fit was all, you know, really dialed. Hmm. Yeah, I, I did have those Pearl Izumi trail shoes for years <laughs> because I was like, I am hanging on to these things because, um, and they held up. They were, they were, they were great. Um, how can we, how can we as a consumer help this brand? Obviously buying the shoes, but if our local retailer doesn't yet have it, does it benefit us to go in and ask for it specifically? Or is it better to just get it online from you and talk to somebody at your company? What is the best way we can support small companies? And like, I'm such a fan of the quote unquote underdog um, because I know it's a grind. And so I'd love to offer some solutions from just casual people like me. Yeah. The, I mean, the, we're a small company, uh, awful lot of specialty retailers are very small companies and it's great to, you know, support them and help them. And so if you can go in and say, Hey, I heard about this shoe. I'm really interested in it. Um, it's called Vamazi. Uh, do you carry it or would you bring some in? I'd love that. That, you know, that would be a tremendous help for us. <laughs> okay. And, okay. Um, you know, there's lots of, also lots of information uh, on our website about how they feel and how they run and uh, how they fit, et cetera. And um, the, uh, you, you know, we of course want to sell on our website as well, but for uh, two retailers specifically, it, you know, pe people should interact with, their uh, local retailer because um, you know we need we need a healthy, uh, specially running shoe retailer out there, and we are doing everything we can to make it easy for uh, consumers to get the shoes and try them out, even if they don't have a retailer near them that is carrying them, um, you know, online. So they uh, you know. It's free shipping, <laughs> you know. It's like um, you can find your size and you can, you know, learn all you want about it. But then it's um, it's really quick to place the order and get it in a few days, and you know, and there you are. And um, so we encourage both. <laughs> we we mostly want people out there running because having shoes on people's feet and they're being seen like you say your running friends look at your feet and they see your shoes and so forth like that is a uh, brand awareness i mean it's really kind of the best kind of brand awareness that we can get and so we um we want to get that in any way we can well, and let me tell you, it sparked a lot of conversation and I'm a ridiculously outgoing person. And I, now I feel more armed uh, <laughs> to talk about 
specifically when I say, oh, it's pace tuned to this pace. And they're like, well, what does that mean? And now I, I have my bullet points to talk about that, which is exactly what I wanted, which was my elevator pitch to, to sell these shoes that are ridiculously comfortable, that are tried and true to their words. Now I have used them without fail within that pace zone. What I have not tried to do is like do a track workout on them where I am running a lot faster. Um, and I think it's important, even though it's ridiculous, but it's important to point out that me getting a shoe pace tuned to a five minute mile is not going to make me a five minute mile. <laughs> <laughs> If it were only that easy, right? You guys would be the most uh, popular shoe brand right now, without question. Um, it, these do not come with performance-enhancing drugs, unfortunately. Uh, so they are pace-tuned to a pace that you are already running. Is that is that correct in saying that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and 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 when you run at that pace in these shoes, you're you're going to get. Um, not max, max cushioning. You're going to get personalized max cushioning, and um, the uh, and then you're going to get a really lively, uh, uh, you know, toe off that uh, feels very responsive and efficient. And um, you know, that's the that's the feel you'll get. That was the thing. Now that you put it into that, that is exactly the feeling that I got was that toe off um, because I'm used to running in a, a not a like well pretty much a minimalist shoe like a very 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 almost zero drop shoe and like it's a stiff shoe and it's a a little shoe. And so when I put these on, when we did our test run, like initially it felt like, oh boy. Yeah. It felt like I was running on pillows, um, which is a great feeling. Don't get me wrong. It was just a different feeling. But then when I was wore it more than our than our two and a half mile jog, when I started to wear it more, I was noticing that put the toe off more than anything. Right. You can, um, uh, in, in all of our shoes, you can feel a little bit, um, more cushioned heel and, and a little firmer forefoot, um, because that's the way it needs to be tuned to perform correctly. And then you'll be able to feel the differences between each of the models. So, you know, if you got into a Z40 or a Z60, you'd be able to feel the, the cushion difference, um, oh, just standing and rocking back and forth, but also out on a run. And um, yeah, it's that really, we had to be careful about the design and the, and the rocker shape to make sure that with different density, uh, different densities in the midsole, you got this really smooth transition between the, you know, landing and pushing off, because that's what, you really want. You don't want to feel like there's um, sloppy, you know, old mattresses on your feet. <laughs> and anecdotally, at least for me, perhaps there is some science behind it. I felt way less beat up after my runs than I typically do in a stiffer, lower profile shoe. Um, and and I don't know if that was part of the intentionality behind the shoe or not, but my body just felt way less sore. Well, to the extent that uh, you feel beat up because of shock, you know, like, you know, sh high, sharp uh, forces, um, then more cushioning, you know, meaning if we can 
uh, absorb that shock in the shoe so that it doesn't go into your body um, should have, uh, you know, make you feel less, less beat up. And that is exactly what the design is intended to do. And, um, and we, th you know, we think that it does work that way. I mean, the physics works out that way, but then you also experience it. Um, and that's, and that's kind of the ultimate reason why you would be wanting to, you know, go with this shoe over another is because, you know, it feels better, you know, during and after the run than, than your other choices. You can, you can run barefoot, you can run in anything, you can run in street shoes, but we prefer to run in shoes that feel better during the run and help us feel better afterwards. And Vamazi is about just trying to perfect that. Well, thank you so much. I am so grateful for your your time today and your education. Uh, it's like two mad scientists went at it and they created something that actually works for a whole lot of people. And so if you don't see Vimazi in your local retailers, ask. And if you'd like to learn more, vamazi.com. Of course, we'll put these in, uh, I'll put these links in the show notes, vamazi.com. And I know on your website, there was a wonderful blog post that I will also share, which is essentially how Vamazi running shoes feel. And it was written, uh, it takes what we talked about today and, and it elaborates on a lot of the science and the physics behind it. And so I, I wanted to put it in layperson's terms for me to understand, um, but that really goes into a lot of detail. Any last parting words that we can share with people that will um, that will help you? We hope we hope uh, people. Well, we what we really want is people to have enjoy their runs and be uh, empowered to to run. And some people are going to need a different shoe because of, of the fit. We think our fit is great and it's going to work for most people. But the, mo the, the biggest thing we want to do is make sure people have a great experience running. And we hope uh, Vamazi can be part of that for sure. And I think if you, if you are out there thinking, I could never find a comfortable shoe for me, I think we may have solved that problem. <laughs> or I could never run a marathon. I think we may have solved that problem. Um, or if you're out there thinking, oh, I could never do something in a horrible climate of our world right now, I, I think you can also see a path forward uh, in a space that might be crowded. So thank you for both of you for your wisdom and your, your, uh, your, your fun demeanor today. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for your time, Gary. Yeah, Great. thank you. Gary. It was my honor to have their time for an hour on the I Could Never Do That podcast. And I hope that you'll give them your time by visiting their website at vamazi.com or give them a follow on Instagram at vamazi. That's V-I-M-A-Z-I. And I'll link up to all of this in the show notes. And if your interest has been piqued on these shoes and the different styles that they have to offer, by all means, walk into your local running store and ask for them. That, as they have noted, is how we can help them grow. I appreciate your time and support of independent podcasts, and you can support this podcast with a small donation via Buy Me a Coffee, which I'll link up to in the show notes as well. Get out there, go for a run, and if you're ready to try something new, tune into Vamazi. And thanks again for tuning into I Could Never Do That. Have a great week.